powered by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards, and I'm so glad you decided to join us. We've got a terrific show today. We're going to be talking about etiquette. I got Travis Tucker in the studio live with me today. He's a local hospitality expert, and I want to talk to him about his life, his ventures, and I want to talk about etiquette because if you're a CEO, a president, high-ranking executive, business owner, you're going to have a lot of breakfasts, lunch, and dinners with various people. You may be uh, having a formal dinner with your team or with customers or clients or whatever. We're going to cover the gamut of things. I've got a whole list of questions that I've got for Travis today on the Better Than Before show. And also, I'm going to cover the eight critical areas of life for an elite level performer. That's coming up in the leadership lesson segment today. That's all coming up on the Better Than Before show, sponsored by University Subaru. Join us for the Subaru True Love event going on now. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. I'll be back with Travis Tucker right after this. The 2020 Subaru Forester, the SUV for all you love. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive plus 33 miles per gallon. Standard EyeSight driver assist technology. A spacious and comfortable interior. The best SUV for all you do. Join us for the Subaru True Love event going on now. University Subaru. Truly homegrown and proud of it. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards. Thrilled to have Travis Tucker here today. And Travis, uh, well, I'll let him tell you a little bit more about himself, but I want to talk about restaurants and food and his background. And we're going to talk etiquette because he is an expert in dining etiquette and formal etiquette and those kinds of things. And we have so many of you uh, higher level managers and executives that listen to the show. You could use a few tips as far as, uh, you know, when you go out to dinner with somebody, either an employee or um, a business partner or something like that. So we're going to talk about that. Travis, welcome to the program. 
Well, thank you, Tony. I'm just really happy to be here. Yeah, so thanks for doing it. this. You yeah, know, absolutely. I know you're a busy guy. You got a lot <laughs> going on. So I was happy that we were able to get a date. Well, we started talking about it like over a year ago. So <laughs> Indeed. I'm glad we were able to get a date uh, that you could come by and do this. And I know all our listeners are really going to appreciate this time together because you're going to really help them with some stuff. And you're going to help me with some stuff, too, because I got some questions for you. But tell us a little bit about um, I know you didn't you grow up in southern Missouri? That's correct. Yes. Um, home is southern Missouri down in Oregon County, just right near the Arkansas line. And so um, grew up down there in a very small rural town. Um, and that will always be home, of course. But I knew I knew at a young age that that probably wouldn't be my forever home and where to seek a career. And so, um, you know, as soon as I graduated high school, I, I left, went to school at Florida Southern for a while down in Lakeland, Florida. Um, transferred here to Columbia to Mizzou to finish my degree and um, jumped into the hospitality industry and been there ever since. Yeah, so. I know, um, like me, growing up on a family farm, you were surrounded by cows, right? That's exactly right. Yes. Yeah. Sporting the boots today, actually. So, yeah. <laughs> and you still, I mean, that's still a passion of yours. It is. I, You know, I really enjoy that when I do get to go home um, and go to the farm with dad and, and uh, just kind of hang out with him. And, and I really enjoy, enjoy the serenity of that. So, yeah, it doesn't feel like work when I get to go back and do that. Now, you're not the only entrepreneur in your family, are you? That's absolutely right. No, my younger brother, um, Winston, he absolutely has several businesses, and currently his one that he's got the most success with is called Favorite Fishing Company. So, yeah. yeah. You're not even the only entrepreneur in your house. Well, that's also true. My wife has a business downtown that we bought um, about nine years ago now, um, Poppy, and um, we that's been in business for 35 years now, and we bought it about nine years ago, and my wife... Uh, loves it and she just really is doing great at that so now if I remember correctly and and this this may surprise you that I I have this in the recesses of my brain but I am well known for having many many bits of some, what some people may call useless information okay but if I remember correctly in some of our conversations in the past um, and and because it was the biggest city near my hometown in Kentucky, did Nashville play a pivotal role in your evolution as an entrepreneur? You know, it did. Um, you do have a good memory. Um, so, yes, it did. I lived in Nashville for a couple of years um, after graduating from Mizzou, moved down there, um, worked in the hospitality industry down there and, and in the music venues at the Ryman Auditorium, which was really, really fun, um, and then came back to Columbia. So that's right. Wow. And so... Uh, tell me a little bit about what drives your passion and maybe we should tell people what are the entrepreneurial uh, uh, restaurant ventures you have in town now so currently we have um, blue events and catering is our our largest thing that we've got going now so we focus on special events and catering for corporate and social events um, and just uh, for everybody's clarification it's bleu correct yes yep that's right uh, and it you you actually had it as a restaurant downtown. We did, yes. We which opened, was the old Boone Tavern. Correct. And prior to that, it was located in the lower level of the Tiger Hotel. So right. we actually moved it once um, before deciding to close that down and focus on the events and catering. Yeah. Yeah. So we have that. Um, we have Pressed, which is an event venue and a bar and lounge up on the sixth floor of the uh, new building right by the courthouse down on Walnut. Um, and then we have the atrium, which we opened in August of last year, which is wow. a new, um, venue space that will accommodate fire code. We can have up to 599, but we can seat up to 500. So it's a nice big venue that we've been fortunate enough to have a lot of folks, uh, show a lot of interest in quickly. Very difficult for you to only have one thing, isn't it? 
Well, you know, um, Nathan, my kind of partner in crime on some of the business ventures, he uh, he always says as soon as everything seems to be going well is when we start something new. But we've decided in 2020 there will be no ribbon cuttings. We've had uh, enough of those lately. Yeah. <laughs> and I told you before we went on the air here that um, I have a lot of um, – respect and admiration for Nathan. He he was in one of my leadership Columbia classes and I just saw him grow every time we had a session and uh, he's really blossomed as a leader. Absolutely. So you're yeah. very fortunate to have him as in, a partner. Indeed. He's, he's been on our team for over 12 years now and so it's really fun to watch people grow not only personally but professionally um, mm-hmm. in a company that you've started. So, so what drives you? Uh, let's start with Let's start with just the restaurant business. What is it about the hospitality business that drives you? I think it is, you know, we we help people celebrate um, big life events, you know, and you get one shot at it. And, um, you know, I have a background, my degree is actually in history, theater and psychology. And, and we put on a show all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's great about that is you're helping people celebrate milestones, events, um, weddings, corporate celebrations, whatever it might be, even celebrations of life. And, um, that is something that I really enjoy because you're, you're truly making an experience that is probably a one-time life experience that people photograph, they save up for, they do this thing um, to celebrate with friends and family. And that's really what, what motivates me and my team to, to do what we do. Is there an event you can think of that you've had in the last 12 months where you walked away or you drove away after that event and you said, yeah, that's why we do what we do? Um, yes. And there's several of them on a social side. There was a wedding that, um, you know, we drove away and when the mother of the bride has a tear down her face while the, the toasts are being given, given and, and she's just, she said, you've done everything that you promised. And then some, it's more than we could have ever dreamed of. And when you get that kind of feedback, it feeds the soul. I mean, yes, we're in this because we need to make a living. Um, but when you make people's dreams become a reality, um, that really is what drives us to keep going. Consequently, also, I, I would imagine there are times when you drive away going, yeah, we need to get better at that. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. We learn lessons all the time. Um, and with new staff coming on board and people, uh, one of my biggest weaknesses is I always believe or think people know what I think and know. Mm, yeah. Uh, that's not true. And no. so even though they say, you know, I've got it, I've got it. Okay. Um, and then you go and check on them and they don't have it. And so we've got to get it fixed or turn it around or we've got to learn from what we didn't do right. I have a client who, uh, I mean, he, I've heard him say it a hundred times. He said, every time I assume they know, they don't. I, he goes, yes. and I just have trained myself that every time I start thinking, well, they know, he goes, I immediately go and tell them because yes. Yes, they, they do not. Like I have to be counterintuitive on that. Absolutely. So what sorts of things, uh, tell me a little bit about, we talked about Nathan, what other leadership do you have in place in your, so we've got, um, three, a member, uh, a member of three on our sales team. That's doing a wonderful job. Um, and some of them have been with us just for a short time. Shanda's doing a wonderful job. She started just in August and she's been in the hospitality industry, various different management roles. Um, and recently was a food rep for us foods and it just wasn't doing what she wanted to do. And, and she's came on board in August of last year and she's just thriving, doing a wonderful job. Um, our culinary leader right now, Rosa Pedrosa, she's been with me for over three years. And interestingly enough, she started in the kitchen. She was a leader in the front of the house and then has moved back into our culinary leader. Um, and she's, she's, she was somebody who just really didn't have the confidence in herself. And I said, I know that you can do this and watching her do it and trying to help her get to that 
place has been really great to watch her grow in her career. Yeah. Well, as we've had conversations over the years, I, I know there have been some challenges and some things you've done in the past, but let's just let's just go from these current ventures you have now up until today. What is the thing that has really challenged you and what, what's grown you the most, right? What's challenged you the most in, in what you're doing now? Yeah, I think, you know, the most recent challenges has been um, exploring certain partnerships that did not work out and learning how to recover from those, um, realizing the importance of key players in your organization and the people that believe in you and believe in what you're trying to do and have stuck with it. Um, and have stuck with us. And I think that is huge. Um, you know, that's not something that you can put a price on. Um, you value your people and you want to take care of them for sure. Um, but you, there's, I could never do what we do by myself and, you know, really learning how to cultivate those people and allow them to grow, even if that means moving on for them or they have to go to something else. I mean, several wonderful restaurants right here in town that have been started were previous chefs or employees of mine. And when they come to me and say, I'm leaving to do my own thing, I don't get upset with that. I'm proud of them, you know, because they've grown to a point where I can't, there's only so much that we can accomplish in this community. Um, And so for me, that's, that's really been a great thing to watch. Well, there's a ceiling on them too. Absolutely. Right. Right. And sometimes, um, you know, I've been involved in situations where um, the CEO was going to be retiring and there's like four people in the company that could be in the succession plan. One's going to get it. Three of them aren't. And so sometimes people just have to go to realize their dream somewhere else. I mean, it's just part of it. And if, if you really love and respect people, you're going to be fine with that. Absolutely. And I support that. And I agree completely, Tony, because, um, there's only so much growth that we can allow or, and, and entertain, unfortunately. However, when they, when they get to that point, you know, I do support it. I, I tell people, I tell my people all the time in our management meeting this week, I said, if you are not in your happy place or this isn't working for you, I will help you get there. Mm-hmm. I will, I would rather recommend you to another company in town or help you get where you need to be than to, um, you know, have you not, being happy and not performing as well as you can. I mean, believe it or not, a lot of uh, leaders struggle with their meetings uh, with their people. So I would just ask you for the other executives and leaders that are listening, like what other things do you talk about in your get togethers? Um, one of the things that we really like to focus on is um, what it is they are enjoying about their job, what it is that they uh, experiences they've had. In our leadership meeting this week, we went around the table for everybody that's a manager, and um, it was Nathan's idea, actually. He said, you know, why don't we have everybody share their favorite memory of Blue? If they've been with us for six months or if they've been with us for, you know, 11 years, what's your favorite memory? And it was all kinds of things that they brought up, and it caused laughter, it caused emotion, it caused a feeling, a connection. Um, and you know, that's something for me is that we really drive home is that we are a team Mm -hmm. because in our environment, we have a sales team, we have our culinary or back of the house team, and then we have our service and front of the house team. And sometimes those three people, three groups kind of get divided. If it's this versus this group or this, this team, the sales team is against the culinary team. Well, trying to help them understand that is not, we're all rowing in the same boat and we really need to recognize that. And we, we all want the success. And so working together and not feeling like it's one, one set of people versus the other, um, is something that I try so hard to drive home every time we get together. 
Um, I got a slide in one of my slide decks. It's a cartoon of a boat that the back end of it is down in the water and the top end of it is outside the water. And the people up in the top end of the boat are laughing at the people at the bottom of the boat. And I'm like, how much sense does this really make? It's an analogy I can understand. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) No, no, no. uh, We're all going to go down, right? right, If we don't help the people uh, who are at the bottom of the boat. Okay, so um, what what would be one or two things that you would advise someone who's thinking about going into partnership? Into partnership. Um, I would say talk very strongly to that person. Really do your due diligence um, and don't do it uh, <laughs> because – um, you know, that you sound like my attorney. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he is constantly going, yeah, well, don't, don't, don't. My banker said the only ship that won't sail is a partnership, you know, and I said, well, that's a frightening thing to think. But now I kind of get that because um, I've had multiple partnerships and some of them I'm very close to still. We were able to part ways amicably and, you know, we were still on good terms. Um, but definitely it's it's a challenge. And um, I would just very, uh, very much advise that you should enter that with, with caution. My lawyer says uh, don't do partnerships, and my accountant says LLC stands for lose lots of cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they come up with those for a reason. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't be another example, right? Right, right. Okay. Well, one thing that maybe a lot of people don't know about you that that I know about you, and it's always stuck in my head, is your knowledge on etiquette. And um, we have a lot of executives who listen to the program and business leaders and. Uh, we could all use some etiquette lessons. Everybody can. Uh, because most of us, we either were kind of taught by our mom and dad who probably weren't the best all at all things, uh, or we've kind of figured it out as we've gone along. But we've never really uh, – I know on our bookshelf, we've got the Emily Post book, mm-hmm. and um, it's one of my wife's favorites uh, on etiquette. But I, I want you to help us a little bit. So what are the basics, you know, as far as etiquette and, and that sort of thing? Well, um, speaking to dining etiquette uh, to first off, um, you know, really confidence is key. And knowing what you should do, knowing what flatware to use, knowing how to handle yourself um, – you know, one of the things I teach when I teach etiquette classes is to make sure you follow the lead of whomever the person in charge is, whomever he or she is. Don't take things for granted. Don't sit down and order something from a menu when you know that the host is paying for it. Don't pick the most expensive thing. Don't, well, that was one of my, one of my <laughs> questions, yeah. Yeah, and don't don't take the liberty of ordering multiple courses if it's a lunch and everyone's having a sandwich or a salad, right? Um, so it's important to take those cues from whoever your host is, um, and regardless of the setting, if it's in someone's home or if it's in a restaurant or even a casual lunch. Yeah, so some, sometimes you sit down at a table and it seems like there's 14 pieces of silverware. Like, I know there's probably only five, you know, but, <laughs> but it seems like you're... You're in a jet cockpit, you know, and you don't really know. So your advice is watch the lead person. Watch right? the lead person. Absolutely. And, you know, some of the basics, as you ask, is always work from the outside in. You know, you sit down to a formal place setting and, you know, some of my favorite meals that I've ever experienced in my life are nine course meals. And I say nine course and people's face just gets like, are you kidding? How could it take that? You know, you're in for a three to four hour dinner. Right. I love them. I think they're great. I don't get to do them often because uh-huh. they're, you know, they're not uh, common. But if you ever do get the opportunity to do it, please do, because it's just a lot of fun. The most common thing I hear, and I just sit there and listen, you know, is, 
which one's my water? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. (laughs) So what I tell people is a little easy way to remember that. If you put your index finger and your thumb and make a circle with both hands, you've made a D on your right and a B on your left. So, you know, your drinks are on your right and your bread plates on your left. So that's a very simple thing that you can associate something physically to. Don't sit down and do that, but you can do it under the table or in your mind. So, you know, my drinks are on the right, my bread plates on the left, and this is my square. So what happens if the person to your right has taken your water? Well, I think you, you address that, you know, say, Oh, you know what? That one was mine. Actually let's trade. And then you can, you know, you point it out without embarrassing them. You don't want to embarrass the other person. Um, but then they're going to go, Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. And they're going to trade with you. I got you. Okay. All right. All right. Well, let me look at my list here. So, uh, this one may seem kind of simple, but how do you determine who should pay? Um, whoever invites you. So whoever the inviting host is, um, should be the person who picks up the tab. Yeah, because sometimes uh, when the uh, server comes and says, "How would you like the check?" Sometimes it just seems awkward. It will, it, and it does, you know. And it's because I we're, mean, you don't know if you say, "I'll take it," or <laughs> they're going to say they're taking, or you say split it, or right. I mean, it, it really depends on the relationship as well. And if it's a business meeting, though, and and I've invited you to lunch, it's I'm taking care of the tab, and you shouldn't feel that you should even have to offer to do that. Um, it should almost be understood. Um, that's just the etiquette of that. So whoever the host is, if I've invited one person or twenty people. Um, it's expected that I take I mean, 99 times out of 100, my wife's kicking me under the table to take the check. <laughs> right. Well, if you've, if you've done the inviting, then it is your responsibility. Well, but even you if know, we haven't. Even if I mean, you haven't. And, yeah. it, and it's okay to make the gesture. You know, I'm happy to take care of my tab or I'm happy to take care of it. Um, but a, a good host will say, oh, no, thank you. And that's it. Don't ever argue over it. The worst thing ever in the hospitality industry, and I've owned restaurants for years, is that when somebody brings a check and there's a literal fight or people are struggling over the book when it's presented, it's embarrassing for everyone at the table, yeah. you know, because there's always two people. It's not five people fighting over it. There's right. two that are, it's a power struggle is what it is. But what it is, what really should be done is whomever the host is, the obvious host should pick up the tap and it should be left alone. All right. So say the host is, you know, agreed to pay for the dinner or whatever. And you covered this a little bit, but specific rules on ordering, right? So somebody else, you know, they're paying for it. You pick up the menu. There's a filet mignon on there for 55 bucks or something like, is that the no, no or, um, well, it, it kind of is. It depends on also on the host. So if the host has said, please order, you know, get what you'd like to do, then, then he's given you, or she's given you carte blanche to go, you know what, order, order the filet. And I will, I will kind of do that. If I know I'm picking it up, I'll just tell everybody, just order whatever you want. Don't right. worry and about that's, it. That's you know? a gracious thing to do. And that's what should be done. Um, don't take advantage of that. Obviously uh, I mentioned it a little bit ago. If someone, if they're, if the host has not ordered hors d'oeuvres or appetizers for the table, or they didn't also order a salad course and a dessert course, don't take it upon yourself to order all those things and be that only person that ordered the salad while everyone else didn't or whatever it is. So Okay. Um, what if you have a cough or you have to sneeze? Um, use your napkin. Absolutely. So if you know, if you, if you, you know, sneezes happen quickly, you don't always see them coming and you can't remove yourself. Oh my the God. It's the most uncomfortable thing. Like I hate sitting at a table and I, you feel that tickle, like, I think I'm going to sneeze. I want to try to hold it. I don't want my head to blow off, you know, Absolutely. Just so, but, have, but have your napkin kind of at the ready. ready. That's right. why your napkin should be in your lap. You know, we tell uh, men 
over one leg. Ladies, if you're wearing a dress or skirt over both legs, if you're wearing pants, you can go over one leg. Um, but that napkin stays in your lap the entire time, except to wipe your mouth or to cover your mouth if you need to do something. I'm very like empathetic. I mean, I'm very empathetic on sinus issues and things like that because I have them. Sure. But it, it's one of the things that really bothers me and bothers my wife, I know, is if somebody has the, you know, and they're uh-huh. near, not maybe not at your table, but they're near you and they're just constantly clearing their throat, blowing their nose, coughing. Please don't do that. Just remove yourself. You know, that's what I, that's what we teach people. Maybe you ought to order your food to go. Right. If you're, if you're feeling that badly, you know, you shouldn't have came reschedule or cancel or don't, don't show up if you're, if you're ill. Um, but you know, the occasional sneeze, it will happen. Um, but if you, you know, let's say there's a sinus infection, you do just need to blow your nose. Excuse yourself. You don't do not offer a destination. You don't have to say where you're going. Nobody cares. Just say, excuse me. I'll be right back and go to the restroom, do what you need to do and come back. So I'm having a steak and I get some gristle or something stuck. What's the deal there on getting it out? So stuck, it's in our in, mouth in, already? In the mouth. Okay. It's maybe in between a tooth or something back in the back, and yep. it's really aggravating, and I need to get it out. And Same thing. Um, remove yourself. Um, go and see if you can find a toothpick or something from the bar or from the host stand or wherever might have one. Go take care of that in the restroom. Yeah, um, don't stick your finger. Don't stick your finger in your don't mouth. Don't dig around. Don't and... dig around. I say, ladies, don't apply lipstick at the table. It's rude. Anything that is, um, Anything that would be considered personal hygiene, don't do it at the table. So if I've got a piece of salad stuck in my tooth in the front. Now, what if somebody else has something stuck? We want to let, them, let where, them know. Where it's visible, I should Absolutely. say, hey, you got to. You should, especially if you're sitting right next to that person. You don't want to embarrass them, but just simply say, you know, you got a little piece of parsley right here. That's tough for people with low self-esteem. It is, it is, it is. But I promise you, if you flip that and you're the other person and you've sat through the entire dinner with a little piece of parsley on your front tooth and then you go to the restroom and you're going, oh, my gosh, how long has that been there? Um, I would rather somebody say, Hey, you got a little something right there and take care of it. than then wonder how long I've been going on like that. Okay. So we're involved in a lunch or a dinner where things have to be passed. What's the rule there? So if it's family style or if it's a bread service, either way, um, again, so the, explain that. So family style is if you sit down to a meal and the, the, the food is in bowls that you self-serve. Like so you used to eat at dinner and exactly home. Exactly right. Right. Which is why it's called family style. So you have, you have a bowl of potatoes or a, a platter of meat or vegetables or whatever it might be. And so whomever it's sitting ne- nearest to is who's responsible for picking that up and starting the passing around. Which way? To the right. Okay. Do not serve yourself first. So if the oh, pota- that's a good. Do not okay. serve yourself first. Okay. So don't take a big heaping nope. of potatoes and then pass. Not at all. So you're really the, the potatoes. You're going to be the last. You're one. the last one. Yeah. Okay. So and if the bread is near you, you also serve it to your right. So you would pass that around and it goes around. We the break table that the all, the all the time. All the time. Because I I can remember in my mind at least four or five times where the person or maybe I've done it where it's like, okay, I'll take my roll and pass, but actually I'm supposed to wait till it comes back to me. Come back around. Um, you can, there's another, there's, that's the main rule. There's another very formal etiquette. If the bread baskets in front of you, you pick it up, you offer it to the person to your left. He or she serves themselves. Then you serve yourself and then it goes around to the right. So that's in a very formal setting where it's, you know, the nine course meal, like we were talking about, but really, Otherwise, and most people may not remember that, but otherwise just I've seen that. offer to the right. It'll come all the way around back to you um, and you will get yours. I've so, seen that. Yeah. And that's that's the most formal way. But a lot of folks don't have that connection of I offer it to the person in my but left. But I've also seen to the right. 
my I've probably done it, and I've seen other people take one and go the other wrong right, way. Right, you know, so right. it's like okay, whatever. Not busy. whoever's <laughs> not busy and paying attention, I'm just going to get this go going. Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, what What if something is being served in the meal that I've never tried before, and um, maybe I just don't like it? So what do I do there? Um, if it's Am a re- I going to insult them if I if it's a restaurant situation and you're choosing what's going to be what's going to be on your plate, um, that's not the time to experiment with food. In my opinion, I'm all about food, and I think you should try every cuisine that you can come across. Um, however, if you are in a restaurant situation, you get to pick. Go with something you're comfortable with. Not don't or if you've never used or you let's just say you've never had spaghetti before and you don't know how to handle this long pasta. Um, don't order that for the first time when you're in a business meeting or with a corporate group. So if you don't like it and you don't eat it, is that insulting to the host that's paying? If you ordered it, no, because that, well, well I mean, if you, if you ordered if you've it, never tried it and you if, don't like it, then. if you've never tried it, you don't like it. It can be insulting. Yes. Well, Especially if, if they said, okay, um, you know, I, I, sometimes I like to use Korean food as a reference because most of us mis- Midwesterners maybe aren't real familiar with chopsticks that the Korean culture uses they're very short they're very thin um, and if you've never used those chopsticks you're going to feel like you're trying to catch an octopus with them you know and, yeah. and it's and it can be very very hard i mean i've been to uh, very large lunches where i i get there and i'm not a sushi fan but that's what we're having for lunch mm-hmm. So am I out of order if I don't eat it, even though I don't like it? No, or? surely there's other things offered that you would enjoy or that you would be able to eat. Well, and maybe so a taking salad, those, maybe but, a salad, but and that is those. the main lunch. That is, yeah. yeah, and so then you just would say no, thank you, and and pass on. Um, you wouldn't really want to ever order or try to order something else, right? Because um, if the host has already prepared this for you, you know you're going to a sushi restaurant, um, and you know you may be hungry when you leave. Eat a little something before you get there. So that you're not starving, you can eat the salad and say, you know, no, thank you. I was really kind of thinking of like at a hotel or a conference center is where it's happened to me most of the time where you get there and it's not. Not your taste. Right, right. Yeah. 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 And that's okay. Um, But this organization's paying for it. Right. So I feel a little badly. Sure. But be gracious. Take what you like and eat what you do enjoy um, and just skip over those things. Even if it is the main course. Um, you can you can simply say no thank you but again trying to find something that you do enjoy is the key there all right what about alcohol yes so it's uh, a big one is there a rule about should or shouldn't there is um, I tell everyone it's always appropriate not to drink and I stress that in every etiquette class I've ever taught it's always appropriate not to drink it's also not your responsibility to offer any reason why you choose not to it could be a health reason. It could be a personal choice. It could be a religious reason. It could be whatever it is. You don't have to offer that up. You say no thank you and choose the alternate because mm-hmm. there will always be a non-alcoholic alternate, even if it's water. Um, and sometimes that's all you get if you are uh, not someone who drinks wine or cocktails or beer. Um, the other rule of thumb is the two drink rule. You know, um, most Grown adults can metabolize two drinks in a, in a, you know, one, one per hour is what legally you can metabolize. So really you want to kind of go with that two drink rule. 
Um, you know, we've all been at the table where there's that one guy or that one gal who, um, it was ne- it's, it's never their fault. It's always the bartenders that overserve them. Oh yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, you do want to go with that. Um, now there are certain fundraisers or things that are going to happen where there's multiple wines that are going to be poured. Um, you can choose to have the wine. You can choose not to don't feel like you have to finish each glass. You know, I, I mentioned the nine course meal before, and there'll maybe six different wines poured with that meal. You can taste the wine to see how it complements the food. Cause someone has put a lot of work into that to make sure they do pair and they work together. And if that's, if you do choose to drink, then that's what it is um, to enjoy that pairing. Uh, But don't feel like you have to empty all the glasses as they're poured for you. So someone invites you to a dinner. And so they've invited, they're paying, they said, get whatever you want, but they don't order alcohol. What do you do? I would not order alcohol. No, if they, even if they say, get whatever you want, if they've said it now, what the host should or shouldn't do, then if they choose not to drink or they don't drink personally, they should invite you. If you'd like a glass of wine or a beer, please, by all means, they should say that. But if they don't, but if they don't, I would not order alcohol, Okay, especially in a professional setting, because if you're getting right down to business and the first thing you do is say, I need a bourbon, you're like, well, it's a little bit of a warning sign. It really is. It really is. Yeah, I got you. Okay. So I need to be excused. Um, who do I ask the host or you don't, you don't have to ask permission. Don't have no, to. we're not okay. a child. So what we need to do is just say, excuse me, wait for a natural break or pause in the evening or conversation. So you're just throwing it out to the middle of the table. Yes. You're not, you say, excuse me, I'll be right back. And, um, you don't offer a destination. Nobody cares if you're going to get a drink, if you're going to go to the potty, if you need to go outside, whatever it is you need to do, answer a phone. Um, but just excuse yourself, go do what you need to do. Put your napkin in your chair uh, if it's an armchair, put it over the arm and then just go do what you need to do and come back. Yeah. I <laughs> I have to be honest. There have been times where I've been at dinners that weren't going very well and they were very uncomfortable. And I said, excuse me. And then I never came back because <laughs> I didn't say I'd be back. Right, right. Well, then you didn't lie about but, it. But I mean, it. I, well, I wasn't lying. I just said, excuse me. And sure. I, I left because it just wasn't comfortable and uh, or I didn't really see how I could help what was going on at Those, the table. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the next day they're like, where'd you go? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I, I had to leave. <laughs> I had but, to go. Yeah. So where do you put your napkin? Um, the napkin should go in your lap always. Once you've taken it off the table, it should stay in your lap. But you have to go. You You're, have to go. It goes in your chair. Okay. So it goes in your chair or if it's an armchair, it goes over, over the arm of the chair. So yeah, it stays. Okay. So it never goes back on the table really. Never. Uh, no, it shouldn't. Once you take it, put it in your lap. It's, it's, uh, it's your possession till the dinner is over. Yeah. All right. So when you said when the dinner is over, but when is it permissible to put it back on the table when you when you're leaving? leaving yes. When okay. you're leaving. Not when you're fine. finished with the meal. No, not no. when you're finished with your last drink. Not at all. It, no. It's it only when you're leaving the when table. When you're leaving and everyone is done because, you know, think about it. If it's a white napkin, if it's a light colored linen, um, and you've had some sort of red sauce and it's all over it, you don't, nobody else wants to see that. Gosh, this is embarrassing, but what if you spill some? It happens. And if it does, um, you deal with it, right? You got to face your problems. And so if you, if we're having dinner together and I accidentally spill a glass of red wine on the table and it lands on your pants and you're, first of all, I'm embarrassed. I'm mortified. I oh can't believe I did that. But the, some of the, the worst moments of my life. And, and it happens. We're human. We're not perfect. It does happen. Sometimes a waiter or waitress might spill something inadvertently. Obviously, they don't want to do that. I cannot imagine anybody who talks with their hands not having had spilled. You know. <laughs> uh, yes, we've all done it. And so the, the etiquette is you, you say, I'm sorry once and you leave it alone. Um, the rule is, is that you say, I'm sorry. Can I help you clean it up? 
And if they need a towel, you, you know, wait, uh, try to get the wait staff's attention to ask for a towel or an extra linen, um, and then leave it alone. Because if we dwell on it all night and all we talk about is, I'm so sorry, Tony, I can't believe I spilled that wine. You're not going to remember anything about our conversation, except that was the guy that spilled his wine, you know? So apologize for it, deal with it and move on. So here's something that's very uncomfortable staying in the accident category. What if I drop one of my silverware pieces? It happens all the time. I, I, I hate that. All the time. And you just ask for another. And you simply motion for the wait staff to come over. Say, I've dropped my fork. May I please have another one? What do you Hand do? them the one that you dropped. Oh, you and do? I do. And then they will come back. So yeah. you pick it up off the floor? I do. Okay. Because mm-hmm. yep. that's what's hard for me. It is. Because I've had some people tell me you should just leave it. Yeah, and I'm I, like, you know, I it's hard for me just to leave it there. Sure, I, I don't, and I don't recommend that because if the wait staff is coming over and they step on it, or if it you know gets kicked across the room, then it's becoming more of a problem. Yeah, I I recommend that you pick it up and say, unfortunately, I dropped my fork. May I have another? And they will always just be right back. With Especially one. if you're in a uh, dining area that has a real hard floor because everybody hears it. Clink, clink, sure, clink. Sure. Like, <laughs> yeah, we say try to keep your china and flatware as quiet as possible. It will make some sound, but try to keep it quiet. All right. Well, um, so let's talk about um, dining in this day and age. Mm-hmm. Technology. Yes. Uh, what do you do about it? Well, um, we all have our computer in our pocket, right? So um, what I suggest is once you have committed to a meal with someone, um, unless it's someone you know very, very well, and this is a very casual meeting and we eat together all the time, that should that device should stay in your bag or in your pocket. Um, and then... Um, is there an on or off? Rule? It should be completely on vibrate. There should be no ringers ever on when you're in public settings. Uh-huh. Um, that includes public transportation. Um, you're in the airport. doesn't matter where you are. My opinion is that those should always be on silent. They've got a vibration technology. You can do whatever that will alert you. Um, If you're expecting to be interrupted or there's something that's going to be so pressing that happens during our meal, excuse yourself, go do what you need to do, answer that text, that phone call, whatever it is. Um, But if I've given you my time, time is money. And if we are engaging and you're spending half that time replying to emails or phone calls or text messages or whatever it is, you're not really giving me the value of my time that I'm giving you. And it's, it, to me, it's, it's simply rude. Um, now if it's a very social setting and it's, it's your birthday party and we're all out having a good time and we want to use our phone to take some photos of each other, um, or we want to take some food porn, which is what we call it. If the dish just looks amazing and we want to take a picture of that and got to put it on Instagram so everyone can see how great oh, it is, yeah. you know, that's a different thing. Um, but in a business setting, I never suggest that the phone is on the table unless you need to reference it to pull up a document or something that the person you're having with, you know, you need to reference. Do something. you see that br- rule broken a lot? Every single day. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, you know, our culture, um, there's, there's different trends in the dining and hospitality industry where some restaurants will offer a basket, you know, I'm sure you've heard of this and everybody puts their phone in and whoever reaches for it first has to pick up the tab. There's little games and things that people do. Um, but really if, if, if you know, you're going to be unavailable for 45 minutes or an hour or two hours, um, the people that really must get in touch with you, just let them know I'm going to be unavailable for this amount of time, or I'm going to be with this person doing this. And, and most folks will understand. I don't know that I've ever seen it or if I have, I've just not been paying attention in a dining setting, but I have seen it in conference settings where they have this blocker that you're, phone basically doesn't connect to the internet and doesn't work when you're in the conference area Uh, it's brilliant you know if they want you're paying to go there you should pay attention right or if you've been invited to go there you should pay attention and so i think that's great Uh, i think that's a really great tool yeah okay what about uh you get invited to the dinner um 
let's say it's happening in somebody's house. Mm-hmm. Do you bring something you or do. not bring something? You absolutely do. Um, if you are, in, if I invite you over for dinner yeah. and I say, Tony, I would love for you and your wife to come over for dinner. Yeah. Um, I'm making my signature, whatever it is. Um, you don't need to bring food unless I say, can you bring a salad? Yeah. Um, now it's kind of you to offer. What can I bring? If they say nothing, we've got it taken care of. Then what you bring is a gift for the host or hostess. Something simple, something that does not require immediate attention. Hmm. Um, so I don't show up with wa- flowers you just picked up from the grocery store with water dripping off the stems when you <laughs> walk in the door. Right. Um, that makes the host or hostess have to stop what they're doing and find a vase and do all the things. Um, so it's something that is not intended to be eaten or consumed that night. So if you do bring them a bottle of wine, say this is for you to enjoy later. Um, it so, can be a, just a small housewarming gift. Yeah. So the Super Bowl would have been this past Sunday. So I get invited over to somebody's house for the Super Bowl. They say, don't bring anything. We got everything covered. I should bring something for the person. I, I would because they're going out of their way. Likely they've spent hours and hours preparing for you and whatever, whatever other guests are coming over. Um, and just a simple little thank you. You're going to stand out as the guest who is polite and gracious because probably not many other people are going to do that. Um, my wife and I have joked about this for ever because she was not raised where you do that. And I will never show up empty handed to someone's home. I will decline the invitation before I show up empty handed just because I don't know, that's how I was raised and that's how you do it. Um, and so now I've gotten, she's to the same point. Well, we don't have anything to bring. Well, we've got to stop and get something or we need to get a little, and it doesn't have to be complicated. doesn't need to be expensive. It's simply an act of thanks that you say, I appreciate you inviting me into your home to share this time together. And you know, it's not something that's expected to be taken and eaten right now. I bet there is, there are people who have a whole cupboard of those things Sure. To take to people's sure, houses. Sure. It's like, go to the cupboard and get, you <laughs> right. know. Yeah, it can be a bottle of wine, like I said. It I could mean, be, they have them you know, saved some, up because right. they're very social people, right? Right, right. right. So they're like, they ordered a hundred of these things. I, I know people that have a gift closet. Right. right? And yeah. so they know they're going somewhere and they open the closet and go, this is what this person's going to enjoy later. <laughs> and I pull it out. I put it in a gift bag. Well, that's a little fun. It is. It is. It's kind of yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's all right. Well, well let, let me ask you, what did I not ask you that would be of importance? Was there something that we should tell people that I didn't really cover in any of my questions? Um, you know, not maybe not in dining etiquette. Like I said, we've got full courses that we walk people through three course meals that I will do and we'll show you how to hold your fork and knife and show you what to do um, in the event that you do get something. You know, one of the other rules that I thought you were going a little earlier with you get something in your mouth that you just you know you get something you can't swallow. The rule is it comes out however it goes in and my, my suggestion is just grin and bear it and swallow it. If it's just a taste thing, if it's an allergy thing then obviously you shouldn't do that. It's going to make you sick. Um, but if it if it's a piece of gristle and you just can't chew it up and put it in with your fork, just take it out with your fork. It goes on the edge of your plate. Don't roll it up in a napkin. Don't make a trash pile in the center of the table or on your bread plate. That's not what it's for. Or even put it in your lap. Or I put guess. it in your lap. No, just put it on the edge of your plate and leave it alone. Again, the more attention you draw to things like that, the bigger deal it becomes. But if you just take it out and don't say a word, most people are not even going to pay attention. Yeah. So yeah. one thing you said there that's interesting is you take it out with your fork. Yep. So you got to be a little, little, uh, um, little careful there sometimes. Well, right? uh, you know, I just jotted down some things that I've either, either been confused sure. on or I know I've messed up. Sure. You know, so all good. The other thing I would mention is is dietary guidelines. If you've got a dietary restriction um, and you've been invited to someone's home, let them know ahead of time because if I've spent all day making a meat dish and you're a vegan 
that's going to be really bad. Yeah. You know, so I'm, make sure if there's a dietary restriction, you share that with your host. If I'm the host, I'm probably going to feel worse about it than of you do. You Absolutely, mean. because and that's why. Uh, if you are the host, it's it's smart to ask, are there any dietary restrictions or any things that you can't eat so that I'm not making everything with dairy and you don't eat dairy or whatever it might be. And, you know, you can alter things that way. All right. So I got a standard list of closing questions we ask everybody that comes on the show. Okay. So I'll shoot these to you in pretty rapid fire succession. There's nothing very difficult here. What's your best memory? I'm immediately on the beach somewhere. I don't know, but that's where I'm at. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what was happening, but I'm on the beach right. on an island. Number one hero in your life? You know, I hold kind of my grandparents in one lump there. So I think that on both sides, my mom and my dad's side, my grandparents were very influential in my life. And so they are they are my now past heroes, but they are definitely my heroes. What's one thing about them that you still carry with you? Their work ethic, without oh. a doubt. They, were, they taught that, my grandfather always said that oh, you better learn how to work because someday you may have to. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Top value you subscribe to? Integrity, um, for sure. What I does think, that mean to you? I think that means if you say you're going to do something, you commit to it, you do it, no matter how hard it is. And if it doesn't work out just like you hope it would or you think that it's going to, that you stay stay true to what you've promised um, and come through with it, regardless of how difficult, even if it's late getting there and it's not your intention, but it takes going all the way around the building to get through the door. Uh um, Just make that happen and keep communication open. Okay. Uh, Most important person in your life? My wife. And did you name her? Liz. Liz. Yeah, Liz. Yeah, Liz. Good. And her business is Poppy. Poppy, that's yeah, right. right. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite thing? My favorite thing? Food. Yeah, I love food. That's going to lead <laughs> right to the next question. What is your favorite food? Oh, I can't do that. <laughs> I get asked that a lot. Too many. There's like too many things. Your favorite yeah, kid, right. right? Yeah. No, there's there's too many things. Um, one thing right now that I'm very excited about is Chinese cooking um, because it's very difficult for me. So I'm really into that right now because if you, I've got this amazing Chinese cookbook and it's this thick, um, but there's it's unlike you know American cuisine. There will be. 20 or 30 ingredients in one sauce. And so it's really more challenging for me because it's not something I grew up with. I've never been taught that, but I really love to play with those flavors. Well, I tell all my coaching clients, if you want to grow exponentially, pick the the most difficult thing. Yeah, yes. And and work on that, (laughs) right? And be diligent with it. Uh, Most beautiful place you've ever been to? Um, Definitely the British Virgin Islands. If you could describe success in one word, what would that word be? I think harmony. Let's talk about legacy. How do you want to be remembered? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I haven't given that a lot of thought, to be completely honest with you. Um, but I do want to be remembered and known in our community as somebody who has helped people celebrate life uh, situations and mm-hmm. life, life events. And so, yeah. If you could go back and talk to a young Travis, <laughs> what would the advice be? Um, don't believe everything everyone tells you. Um, and also question more than you do. Um, I'm definitely too trusting. That's always been one of my biggest downfalls. You're probably very optimistic. I am always optimistic. If you tell me it's going to be X, I believe that it's going to be X, and I'm not going to think about it otherwise until it's not, and I'm going to go, well, what happened? Why is it not? And um, But I, I do tend to be overly optimistic at times, and so being more uh, scrutinizing more is probably something I definitely would tell myself. What's your favorite sound? Silence. Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, what's the best lesson you've learned? Ooh, um, 
they don't take anything for granted for certainly. Yeah. In, in business or personally, you know, if you take people for granted, um, it will always come back or it always has come back for me. Okay. So tell everybody if they would like more instruction on the etiquette and dining and all that, how do they do that? They can hop on our website and there's a request, uh, request now form, uh, for information about events and catering. Tell them what and that then, website is. So it is, uh, mybleeevents.com, M-Y-B-L-E-U events.com. So Good. there's a, a, a link right there and you could submit and someone will get back. And to we'll make away. it part of the podcast and put it on the show links and stuff like that. Wonderful. So. Thank Good. you. Travis Tucker has been our guest today. Thank you so much for doing this. I learned stuff. Well, good. Well, thank and you. And I think the audience probably did too. Hopefully. Well, thank you. And it's uh, it's a pleasure to come on. So Wonderful. All right. I'll have our leadership lesson next on Better Than Before. The 2020 Subaru Forester. The SUV for all you love. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive plus 33 miles per gallon. Standard EyeSight driver assist technology. A spacious and comfortable interior. The best SUV for all you do. Join us for the Subaru True Love event going on now. University Subaru, truly homegrown and proud of it. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday morning coaching memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday morning coaching memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards, and today I want to talk about the eight key areas of importance for the elite-level performer. So how do we get to elite-level performance? Well, it isn't just about your career. I've outlined eight specific key areas that you need to work on and continue to elevate to be elite-level. Number one, your inner life. Lately, I've been talking a lot about the inner game. And so I just wrote a new blog post uh, that was posted on clearvisiondevelopment.com this past Friday about how important the inner game is to elite level performance. It's your interior dimension. I mean, we're talking about your self-esteem. We're talking about your self-talk. We're talking about the quality of your thinking. How can you say you have a real rich, wonderful life if your inner life is a mess? What if you don't have any self-respect? Your thoughts and your feelings are highly influential about what kind of outer world that you're going to live in. Your inner world dictates your outer world. So your inner life is really important as key area number one. Key area number two is your health. What's the point of being the richest person in the graveyard? No point at all, right? You need energy. You need stamina. Because when you lose your health, you have nothing. 
you have a lot of unhappiness and brokenhearted days because of all the things you wish you could do that you can't because your health won't allow you to. Your health is telling you no to a lot of things that you wish you could say yes to. It doesn't matter how much you know. doesn't matter how much talent you have. If you don't have the energy to execute, you don't have anything. Key area number three is your family. And I want you to think about this particular term in a very broad sense. Not necessarily blood relatives, although that is certainly your family and can be applicable in this situation. It can also be applicable in whatever you call your family, right? You can get a whole enchilada of success and lose your family. And that's a pretty empty place to be. Key area number four is, and this can be called a a number of things. I'm going to call it your platform, your career, your business, your practice, whatever you're using as a vehicle to produce your success. That's what number four is, right? And if you have a platform, if you have a career, if you have a business, if you have a, a practice of some kind, You have to see yourself on the path to becoming the best. Why do you want to do something that you're just average or maybe at the bottom of your peer group? Why wouldn't you want to strive to be at the top of your peer group? Why wouldn't you want to strive to be the best in your community, the best in your region, the best in the United States, the best in the world? It's one of the great, awesome pursuits in our life is using the fullness of your talents to be the best, right? When you're great in what it is that you do, um, you're really better in most other areas of your life also because it cascades over into other areas. When you're not good in that area, it cascades into other areas and can cause some wrenches to be thrown in the works in some other areas of your life. So raise your standards. Don't toil in mediocrity. Don't toil to be average. Don't work really, really hard to have a lower level uh, result in your business or your practice or your career. I mean, go for it. Key area number five is finances and economics. I mean, all these things really work together because what if you worked really hard, you had a really high level business, but you don't really have any money to show for it? Or what if you have a great family but you don't really have any money to help do the things that you'd like to do or see them have some things you'd like to see them have or take them to places that you'd like to take them to. So you want to create the outer world you want by building your inner life. And you got to get, you have to be okay with the money piece of it, right? You have to be okay with the financial piece of it. Get a stability and a peace about it so you can produce wonderful results in, the, in your finances. So many people carry around guilt either because they don't have finances or because they do have finances. Believe it or not, there's a lot of people that feel incredibly guilty because they're pretty wealthy in the financial realm. Uh, so you want to stabilize that so that you're kind of uh, money agnostic, right? You have it. It's a tool, you can use it, but it doesn't necessarily uh, equate to any particular good or bad feelings. 
Key area number six is what I call your circle of influence. Building a wonderful team of people around you, not necessarily blood relation, not necessarily employees, not necessarily, it could be a peer group, um, but it's people that you like to surround yourself with that can help you think, that can help you enjoy life, that can help you um, have a sense of uh, solidarity and community and connection if you know what I mean. So a circle of people around you that you can gain from, right? Uh, I've often heard it say that where you will be five years from now uh, will be determined by number one, the books you read, and number two, the people you associate with. So if you surround yourself with people who are playing mediocre games, uh, that's going to rub off on you, and all of a sudden you're going to find yourself in media mediocrity, Right. You want to surround yourself with people who are going to play the game at a very high level. If you want to be elite performance, remember that you're going to have to surround yourself with other elite level performers. Even if the entire group is better than you today, that's wonderful. Even You know, if you're in a room and you're the best one, you're probably in the wrong room. You need to be in a room where you're the worst one and you're surrounded by superior performers that can help you raise your game, right? So have conversations with these people so that their pixie stardust rubs off on you. Key area number seven is what I call adventure and lifestyle. Make life an adventure. Think about it. Dream about it. How can you have fun every day? When I start working with a CEO, executive, or a business owner, my first question I always ask them is, for those of you who are long time better than before listeners, you know, uh, if this is one of your first times to listen, or maybe you haven't heard me say this in the past, the first question I always ask is, are you having any fun? Because you need to decide how you can possibly have fun every single day. It's different for every person. So you need to clarify and define that for yourself. What's fun to you will not be fun to somebody else. What's fun to them probably won't be fun to you. But if you can inject some adventure and some fun into what it is that you do and to the other six previous key areas we've talked about, that'll take you a long, long way. And finally, key area number eight is influence, impact, and legacy. Influence, impact, and legacy. What's the point of being an elite-level successful performer, but you don't have any significance? You haven't done anything that's really been instrumental, impactful, or helpful to any particular person or group and not being influential to another person's success is like, what's the point then, right? You need to be in a position where you can help other folks. And if you have reached the elite performer level and you're enjoying success in a lot of these key areas I'm talking about, what are you doing to help other people get to that level also, right? Succession planning. This is where this is extremely important for uh, top-level executives, for business owners, 
what is the path for the person who wants to be like you or wants to have your job someday? You know why a lot of people don't want your job someday? It's because you make it look hard. You make it look painful. You make it look undesirable so that nobody ever wants to do your job. And it should be the opposite. If you're an elite level performer, you should be making your job look fun. You should be making your job look uh, like something that's attractive for someone because it's producing a lot of delectable fruit that they'd like a taste of, right? The only reason that people ever chase a carrot, you know, you've heard people say they use the carrot and the stick. Well, the truth is they only use the stick because when they use the carrot, nobody chases the carrot. You know why? They don't know what it tastes like. And even if they have tasted it, it didn't taste good. So whatever it is that people chase, they have a pretty good idea that it's good and they're gonna and it's gonna be desirable when they catch it and they're gonna want it again, again, and again, right? So if you're not doing your job in a way that other people would want to have it someday, then that's a mistake. And so you need to think about succession planning and legacy and impact and influence because those are all things that you should be doing in a lot of abundance uh, to help impact your community, your culture, your employees, your other people, your peers, and, and all that stuff. So these are the eight key areas of life for an elite level performer that are going to be significant. So I'd like for you to think about them. I'd like for you to mull them over in your mind. You know, to be an elite level person, you have to live these by design, right? And you live them by design because you design them specifically for you. You don't live them by default where something else like the world or society or people around you choose them and you feel like you have to fit into that. You have to design it for yourself. That way it's perfectly customized for you and it's highly um, designed and attuned to fit you right? So we're going to talk more about these in the weeks ahead and in the months ahead. We're going to dive into these plus some other tools that I've got to share with you on better than before shows that are coming up down the road. So let me review them again real quick. Number one key area is your inner game or your inner life. Number two key area is your health. Number three key area is your family. Your number four key area is your platform, your career, your business, your practice. Your number five key area is your finances, your economics. Your number six key area is your circle of influence that you have uh, surrounding you. Number seven is adventure and lifestyle. And number eight is influence, impact, and legacy. So you want to catch all our upcoming programs because we're going to do a deeper dive on each of these as we move forward. Well, that's our show today. Better Than Before is brought to you by University Subaru. Join us for the Subaru True Love event going on now. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru is your truly locally owned dealer. You can follow us on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Tony Richards 4. The company is at ClearVisionDEV. And on behalf of our associate producer, Whitney Coker, and our chief producer, William Foster, I'm your host, Tony Richards, and don't you ever forget that everything gets better when you get better.
Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Редактор